welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. All right, sports fans, what's up? We are back. This is the AD's office. He's Alex. I'm Devin. And our office hours are officially open for week 11 in the NFL. Week 11. It's crazy that we've made it this far and still don't really know which teams are going to come out on top coming into the playoffs. We got some this weekend that we thought were playoff teams that just didn't look like it. And some this weekend that maybe could surprise some people. Yeah. Yeah. The playoff picture was for sure shaken up this weekend. We had a lot of movement. One spot we didn't see any movement was my Detroit lions. They took on the bears, the first matchup for those guys this season. The lions didn't look too hot, but they pulled out an eventful one. Yeah, no, it was scary for Lions fans there for a bit. I think it was 14-10, Lions in the lead at the half, but then 14-26 to in the fourth quarter, the Bears had a major lead, and it looked safe. Yeah, not only in the fourth quarter, but with less than five minutes to go, the Lions ended up actually breaking an NFL record of sorts. It was the first time in NFL history that a team had outgained the other by more than 20 minutes. The time of possession was 40 minutes to 20 in favor of Chicago and also having a three plus turnover differential and lost. So Detroit, welcome to being the one in the one and 48 for that category. A win's a win, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, a win's a win. Um, It was definitely scary. Like you said, you know, Detroit fans, they want to go out and beat bad teams. Like you've been saying all season, that wasn't really the case. I mean, they beat them, but they didn't smack them around like we've kind of said we've been hoping. With that being said, the four turnovers, Jared Goff had three interceptions. He almost gifted Jalen Johnson a pick six that he dropped. One was a batted pass. One was debatably a pass interference that went uncalled. Uh, You're playing a division opponent. I don't fault them too much for playing it close. It puts the Lions at like two and a half games up in the NFC North. And it looked like a good culture win for Dan Campbell and that group. Because they, by all means, could have just thrown in the towel in the fourth quarter. And they didn't. They found an extra gear, found a way to pull it out. Hutchinson played super hard to the very literal end to force a safety and ice the game. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like we've been talking about with those guys, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, and Miles Garrett, how they show up in the biggest moments. Aiden Hutchinson, as time is essentially expiring, strip sack safety for the game. So Aiden Hutchinson, congrats on a, a highlight real moment. I will say on the flip side of the ball, Justin Fields looked pretty darn good coming back from his injury to his hand. And the Bears overall, they showed some life. I don't think it's enough to have Eberflus keep his job, but it might have been enough for Justin Fields to keep his. I definitely think Eberflus is a problem. Does changing the coach fix Justin Fields, or does Chicago need a full reset? I think... Fields was a good enough passer for them to have gotten by in that game. He wasn't perfect, and their receivers needed to help him more. But he was good enough for them to win that game. Yeah, I mean, 
Fields had a quarterback rating north of 100 and didn't throw an interception, wasn't a turnover problem. They just couldn't take care of business in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's largely on the defense's fault, which is what Eberflus is supposed to be good at. That's a good point. Eberflus is supposed to be good at defense, and in a game where you have three interceptions, the Bears picked off Goff three times, you should win that game. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Similarly, though, the Vikings had three turnovers against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football, And the turnovers finally killed the Vikings. Yep. It was a blast from the past for the Vikings' first several games of the season. Pretty tough. But we've known Dobbs wasn't it this whole time. He's had some really sweet moments, but no one thinks he's going to be the franchise. And this week, he didn't look like it. As a Vikings fan, as a sports fan, you want the feel-good stories to stick and to work. And, like you said, he's not the franchise guy. He's a good quarterback. He's not good enough to build around him. He has a shot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put him down. He's been awesome for the Vikings. He was considerably better for Arizona than we all thought he would be. But he's almost guaranteed to never be a long-term starter for a team. He's going to be a fill-in journeyman guy for probably his career. Which is fine. He'll make millions doing that and have a blast. That's a good point. It's his sixth year in the league, and he's never been a consistent starter. So you're right. We kind of already know what Josh Dobbs is and isn't. But a journeyman backup absolutely can stick around for 15 years and definitely make decent money and probably reduce uh, injury toll. And I will say, one of the turnovers, very first drive, of the game for the Vikings Dobbs fumbled it was on the broadcast the commentator said it was probably a dirty hit it was it should have been a penalty for lowering the helmet and going head to head refs obviously didn't call it and we've talked about it before this year if the refs don't call it that is what it is that's the game it's part of football that said the NFL did suspend Kareem Jackson the defensive back for the Broncos, for four games without pay because of repeated violations of player safety rules, and they used the hit on Dobbs in the first quarter as their final nail in his coffin. Yeah, I will say I don't think it actually deserved four games, giving him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but it was his first game back from serving a two-game suspension that had already been a four-game suspension, which he appealed and got reduced down to the two games. So you can't give him the benefit of the doubt in that instance. A lot of players have come out and they've said, hey, he was going for the shoulder. It wasn't a bad hit. They're just making an example out of him. This is baloney. From our eyes, it looked pretty bad. So uh, wishy-washy at the end of the day, he's a repeat offender. He deserves the punishment. Yeah, it's it's the repeat offender part that, The NFL might be using him to make an example, but they also have the right to do that. Definitely. They can make examples of players. And I think you're, to your point, players defending him or attempting to defend him, saying he was going for the shoulder. If he had kept his head up and it was face mask to face mask, maybe you make that argument. 
but it was crown of the helmet to the face mask. And that's really what the NFL is trying to stop is players lowering the helmet and using the helmet as a weapon. Yeah, yeah, not a great look for him. Tough for the Vikings. But also the Broncos aren't a bad team anymore. We talked about it last week. They're cooking. And Russ looked pretty darn decent. You're absolutely right. With wins over the Chiefs, Bills, and now what we thought was a surging Vikings team, the Broncos are back in business. It'll be interesting to see as the season goes along. They're obviously in a very difficult division with the Chiefs, but the rest of the division is hard to predict. Yeah, the Chargers, they took a tough loss to the Packers this weekend. They're dropping out of the playoff race. The Broncos, they're in second place right now of the AFC West behind the reigning Super Bowl Chiefs. That is pretty freaking good. Yeah, no, it's an interesting position to be in and not somewhere we ever expected them to be. The Raiders, also in that division, are probably not good. Yeah. We've seen a couple good games the last couple weeks, uh, but they had three turnovers against the Dolphins this weekend and still found a way to lose. I still like Antonio Pierce. He mm-hmm. He's kind of been leading them in the direction I think they as an organization want to go, and I wouldn't be shocked if their owner, Mark Davis, came out and removed that interim tag from him just because the locker room loves him. He's obviously changing the culture from the wannabe Patriots that everyone tries to repeat and fails at. But yeah, they they took an L to a Dolphins team that has been explosive all year. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with them going down the line. Another team with three turnovers or even a player, the Texans somehow beat the Cardinals even though C.J. Stroud threw three picks, which also puts a serious damper on his MVP conversation. Yeah, but he followed it up with a 70-yard bomb to Tank Dell for the win. So That's true. I think he put it best himself. In his pro- post-game presser, he came out, and when asked about the three interceptions, he said, well, Steph Curry never stopped shooting. Uh, he's right? He's right. No, shooters shoot. I don't hate... I definitely don't hate the mentality that you take your shots and don't let a bad pass or maybe even a bad route or just a flat-out great defensive play deter you from doing what you do. At the end of the day, he's easily having the best rookie season of all time. They're going to let him throw the ball around. They don't care. They want him to air it out. They weren't expecting to win the division in his rookie season, everything he's doing is just icing on the cake. That's a good point. They didn't expect this season to be good, and suddenly here we are with the Texans at 6-4 and four and very much looking like a playoff team. Yeah, and those Jags, they got back to normal, it looks like. Trevor Lawrence looked good for maybe the first time this season. He looked like the player that we saw last year that everyone was raving about, the guy that we think is supposed to be a generational quarterback, the next Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. Yeah, absolutely. And we texted about it over the weekend that Trevor looked good, and you said, well, yeah, playing the Titans will do that. Yeah. That's a piece of it. It is. And it was a it was a good win. Jacksonville looked genuinely good. Lawrence, I think, had two touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a great... Uh, I think he had 260-some yards and only took one sack. It was a good performance by him. Finally got some work with Calvin Ridley. 
and Zay Jones was back on the field. So the the Jags looked like a real threat again this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even with Trevor Lawrence not playing well for most of the season, they're on top of their division. These Texans are surging. They're trying to take that number one spot. They're probably going to make the playoffs anyways, but so will these Jags. They're playing pretty darn well even when Trevor Lawrence isn't balling. Travis Etienne has been a stud this year. Totally. Both both teams are probably making the playoffs in the AFC. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's crazy to think that might actually be how the playoff race unfolds. The way the playoff structure is set up in the NFL, it's one team per division guaranteed. That doesn't always mean that the top teams go to the playoffs. Some divisions are just not very strong. Yeah, yeah, we've seen it with the Bucks several times. The NFC South in general has put in over the last decade or so tons of terrible teams. We've seen I think the Panthers made it at 7 and 9 one year. Last year the Bucks with Tom Brady, they made it at 7 and 9. We've seen the Seahawks in years past, obviously in the NFC West, they made it at 7 and 9. There's tons of good teams that end up not in the playoffs. Detroit Lions last year nine and eight they were the biggest surging team in football they could have beaten anybody on the last day of the season didn't make the playoffs yeah that's a really good point because i think any true football fan that watched enough games last season or even just watched enough highlights knew that the lions were a good team and by talent and performance should have been in the playoffs yeah but just enough bad losses at the beginning of the season and one tough loss to the Panthers late, that's just the way the math falls sometimes. It's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, we'll have to see how it unfolds. You mentioned the Seahawks, though, as a team that has made the playoffs with not great records. It kind of looks like that's going to be the story this season. I absolutely think the Seahawks will get in, but they gave up a comeback to the Rams this weekend maybe the Rams sneak their way into the playoffs, but I think it's more about the Seahawks and what they will do going forward, especially if Geno Smith is injured and has to miss time. Yeah, not only did Geno get hurt, I believe Kenneth Walker also got injured. He's possibly the best player on their team. Not only did the Rams win this game, but the Rams swept the Seahawks this season. Which is shocking given the state of the two teams. Obviously, the first matchup was the opening game of the season and you don't really know how teams are going to gel obviously the Seahawks added a lot of new pieces through the draft still you don't I don't think anyone would have guessed that the Rams would sweep the Seahawks and the Seahawks have yet to play the Niners so they still have two extremely difficult divisional matchups against the Niners and they have the Cowboys and Eagles still on their schedule so this Seahawks team might be fighting for their lives in the next few weeks. I mean, we have the receipts. Go back to the very first, the pilot episode, if you will, of the AD's office. Seahawks could end up as third best in this division. It's it's not hard to see. Mm-hmm. That's maybe coming to fruition. They still have a couple games on the Rams record-wise, but the Rams without Cooper Cup, he got injured in the game again. Yeah. And... With Matthew Stafford still being kind of hurt, he's missed a couple games. They still sweep the Seahawks. They've won a couple of difficult games. 
it's not impossible to see the Seahawks missing the playoffs. You're right. And I think some of that is talent, but some of that is also the strength of schedule, I think, is the reality of what we just talked about with the Seahawks. On the flip side, the Rams still get to play the Cardinals, the Commanders, and the Giants. That'll help. There are some very winnable games for the Rams that would tighten up the standings and also probably means that the Niners run away with the NFC West. Yeah, I mean, surprise to nobody, right? Like, we knew that they were quite possibly the best team in the entire NFL coming into the season, and they dropped a few games. What was the common denominator we've already talked about? Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy had a concussion, possibly for all three of those games. Yeah, Trent Williams, maybe the best player on their team, maybe the best offensive lineman in the NFL. He missed all three of those games. Debo Samuel is a top 20-ish receiver in the NFL. He missed all three of those games. Yeah, the 49ers are good, and the sky is blue. You've said it. When Purdy's brain is not all scrambled, he looks pretty good. And this weekend, he was literally perfect, posted a perfect passer rating. Yep. And only one other San Francisco quarterback in history has posted a perfect passer rating, and it was some Joe something? Joe... Idaho? Utah. North Dakota? Montana. Montana, yeah. Joe Montana. So Purdy's in pretty good company with that perfect passer rating in San Francisco. Yeah, he's dialed in. He looks great. We've been talking about it for months, like you said. And when the Niners are good, when they play their best, you nailed it. They're the best team in the NFL. The problem is they did have a stretch where they didn't play their best and they weren't the best team in the NFL. And so we also know that's possible. We know it's possible, but at the end of the day, I just look at their record and I say, they had maybe the worst stretch of a month of football in the NFL this year. Seven and three. It's a good point. Tied for the third best record in the NFL. It's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, they looked bad. And they're still seven and three. There's a lot of teams that would love to be seven and three. Oh yeah. Things could be worse. And on the other side of that game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I stumbled across what I thought was a very interesting stat this week. The Buccaneers largest cap hit of the season. So their most expensive player is Tom Brady. Who's not on the roster. Yeah. We're not going to get into the, salary cap gymnastics that teams go through to afford rosters from year to year. But there is a proven reality that sometimes you overspend to put together a roster that can win a Super Bowl. If you're a fan, the Buccaneers are not really in contention this season. And until they figure out the cap situation, they're probably not going to be able to afford being in contention. They're four and six right now. Playoffs are slipping away. As a fan, is it worth a few seasons of chaotic mediocrity because you got a ring? Oh, I think it absolutely is. No questions asked. Like, in my brain, it's not even close. I think both you and I can be case studies in this, right? In many ways, this may be an exaggeration for you, but it's not particularly for me. We're both kind of fans of poverty franchises. No Super Bowls, no championships since the Super Bowl era has begun. Uh, We've both got a ton of Hall of Fame players. Mm -hmm. 
but no long-term success for either the Vikings nor the Lions, I would easily take a Super Bowl for three years of mediocrity or worse. Like, ask any Rams fan. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the Rams are a very recent case study of that. I will say as a Vikings fan, the Vikings are not, they're not a poverty franchise in the week to week, but you're right. No Super Bowls. I think if I remember correctly, the Vikings are the winningest team to never win a Super Bowl. They have a franchise all time, like 55% win percentage, which is top 10 in NFL history. They're the only one in the top 10 without a ring. Yeah. They've been around quite a while. I think they were part of the second expansion somewhere in the 60s. Yeah, 61. Been around a long time. That they have. And there are much younger teams with Super Bowl trophies in their cases. So, yeah, I, I'm i with you. I would trade a few seasons of mediocrity for a, a Lombardi. No question. Or even on the flip side, the worst winning percentage team of all time. It's the Buccaneers. They've never been talked about in terms of one of the worst teams in football history. Why? They've got a couple Lombardis. That's a really good point. They've got a couple rings, and so nobody really thinks they're that bad. Yeah. Huh. Funny how winning removes some uh, bad memories. Yeah, we can say that about the Giants this weekend, too. Pretty uh, quick turnaround. Pretty quick. Tommy DeVito looking like maybe a bona fide replacement for Daniel Jones. Or maybe Daniel Jones is just not good. Yeah, part of me is like, well, every replacement we've seen for the Giants this season has played better than Daniel Jones. And he's getting paid how much again? I feel like we beat a dead horse with this every week. Yeah. Dude's making literal tens of millions of dollars to do what you and I do on Sundays. Maybe he's live tweeting and I'm just not following him, but... I haven't seen his verified check mark. I don't really know what our point is here. The Giants aren't good. <laughs> he gets paid too much money to sit on the couch. That's the point. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting when Tommy DeVito is able to step in as a rookie and have a really good game. He had three touchdowns, 250 yards, also utilized Saquon Barkley, which seems like common sense. Decent overall balanced showing from the Giants. I'm going to say that is more indicative of the state of the Commanders than it is of the Giants, though. I think that the Commanders might just love fantasy football because right now, Sam Howell, QB1, baby. But man, that guy might not have a job next season. Isn't that crazy how someone who's starting in the NFL with really no competition on the roster could be completely out of a job a year from now? Yeah, but I mean, it's like you and I talk about all the time, right? Like, he doesn't pass the eye test at all. Mm -mm. He throws a couple super pretty passes, but he turns the ball over like crazy. He's essentially Jameis Winston, who we love. He's super entertaining. Super entertaining. He's going to be an awesome backup one day. You know, I'm not even sure if he's a backup, though. I suppose it depends on the team and the price and whatever. In, sure. In my head, an ideal backup is not a gunslinger. It's a game manager. I think what we talk about with the eye test is really can a quarterback 
manage a game, understand the situation, not get the team in trouble. We certainly have not seen that out of Howell. He had three interceptions this weekend, and uh, pick six is basically what put it away at the end. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. At the end of the day, the backup quarterback is kind of like an extra coach, and I'm not convinced he could do that. So that's a great point. And maybe we at some point we talk about the best backups in the NFL. There are some backups around the league. Jameis Winston, we talked about, is a good backup. But also the commanders have Jacoby Brissett, who theoretically is a good backup. He was point blank, full stop, better than Deshaun Watson last season. They won several more games with him than they did once Watson stepped into the lineup. And then this year, Watson's been bad again until his very last uh, quarter of play before he got injured and is now out for the rest of the season. Jacoby Brissett could have probably taken this team to the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point. But let's jump on the Deshaun Watson-less Browns. They beat the Steelers' divisional matchup with their rookie quarterback. It was a very typical AFC North slugfest. Oh, totally. Really just... My mother-in-law said it was two inept offenses going back and forth all afternoon. Checks out. I can't put it any better than that. It was inept on both sides. The Browns kick a field goal at the end to win it, and a huge win for the rookie quarterback for Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He didn't look great. That said, and probably bordering on the political here, I'm rooting for him so hard because I do not want the Browns to feel like there's a reason to let Deshaun Watson play football again. Oh no, I I borderline want the Browns as an organization to fail because of the stamp of approval they put on him and the fact that they were so willing to give him so much money when he's so obviously terrible for the sport and the image of what we want to show to kids who idolize these players and things like that, but also terrible for humanity. And I, I'll say this. People absolutely deserve an opportunity to rehabilitate their image. I absolutely believe in offering forgiveness. Oh, definitely. And there's still a natural consequence to decisions and actions that you make. Deshaun Watson should be in prison, full stop. Because he's rich, he essentially bought out his guilt. Yeah. I don't know how you can say that that's okay. And you're right. The Browns giving him a stamp of approval and saying, you know what? We'll overlook your clear, obvious character issues because you're a good athlete. And at this point, he's not even a good athlete. We've seen them be a terrible on and off the field at this point. It's true. So I'm hoping that the Browns actually have some success here the rest of the season with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Watson gets paid whether or not he ever steps in the building again. Maybe you just let him walk away. Yeah, yeah. We've got a several teams that we think should be doing that this offseason. We already talked about the Giants and Daniel Jones. Deshaun Watson, that's another obvious one. These teams have to be willing to cut the cord when they see it's too bad and just recognize that, okay, we owe you a bunch of money, but we have billions. We have billions. Mega billions. Yeah. 
what do we care if we're paying you all that and you're not playing? Sure, for the salary cap, it matters. But winning matters more than anything in the NFL. Let's let this guy leave because he's holding us back from doing that. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Cut your losses. Move on. Kenny Pickett? Ooh, that's an interesting one. That is an interesting thought. It's close. I mean, they are still in the running for that division. Mm-hmm. The Ravens look really good week in and week out. Yeah. We both have them in the top three. You've got them number two again. I've got them at number three just because the Chiefs played so good this week. But uh, the Steelers keep just winning games despite being outscored and out yarded by what seems like thousands. Yeah. The Steelers have a chance. Obviously, losing to the Browns hurts, but still six and four, still in the playoff hunt. And with Joe Burrow going down, for the Bengals, that division gets a little less competitive. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't shock me to see the Steelers manage to get into the playoffs. However, you said it. The Ravens have looked good week in and week out. Obviously, they beat the Bengals. Burrow was out yep. for the second half and a little bit of the end of the first half. Um, and now we know is out for the season. That obviously is a factor. And it's a little bit of good teams beat up on bad teams. After Burrow went out, the Ravens never let the Bengals even have a chance to get back in it. Yeah, we are going to be having some interesting news in the coming weeks for teams not disclosing injuries on their um, injury reports for players. Joe Burrow was spotted before the game Mm -hmm. wearing a brace on his right wrist. He's right-handed. He injures the same wrist in that game. It very much seems like there was a cover-up happening and that he was already injured coming into that game, and then he gets injured again. Uh, we already talked about this with Bijan Robinson and the Falcons earlier this year. This is now the second case of it. If we don't see probably their first-round draft picks be taken for both of those teams, I'm going to be kind of surprised, and probably heavy fines too. Yeah, and it's not just the competitive element. There was a time when the only reason you put out an injury report is for uh, protecting the image of fairness. Sure. That's not the case anymore. There are billions of dollars wagered on the NFL. Sports gambling has completely changed the implications of what happens. Because I, I don't know what the actual numbers would have changed to, But if you have the Ravens, who have looked really good, going up against the Bengals with an injured Joe Burrow, if that was what we had as our storyline all week, there's no chance people are putting money on the Bengals to win that game. Yeah, it's not even a debate. It's an absolute fact that gambling would have been majorly affected if a perennial MVP candidate is hurt going into that game. There's no doubt it's a fact. You can't argue it. It changed a lot of money. And the NFL is a business. They're about money. These guys who own these teams, they're all CEOs at heart. They're all about money. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You're right. It's going to be interesting to see how the NFL responds. I mean, their investigation, they can dig. They can talk to training staff. They can talk to the teams they can talk to reporters obviously they can pull footage the Bengals posted that video of Joe Burrow wearing what looked like a wrist brace on their social media account and later deleted it 
There are lots of things that the NFL can pull in that investigation. And if they can make a convincing case that, yeah, hey, Burrow was injured and you said he was totally fine, that impacted the spread. It was still Baltimore favored to win. It was at Baltimore. I think it was a four and a half point spread going into the game. But that four and a half points is significantly larger if the world knows Joe Burrow has a has an injury in his throwing arm. Yeah. Yep. You you hit it on the head. There's no shot that that game's not affected and that money and viewership and all of the things are not changed if people know that Joe Burrow isn't 100%. Yeah, I think that's just the reality. Yeah. But talking about quarterbacks, um, Zach Wilson finally benched, then benched again. Mm. Uh, he's a third string now, folks. That is such a fall from grace. And obviously, we didn't think Zach Wilson was going to play this year. No. However, that fell off a cliff so fast. I mean, Tim Boyle is going to be starting. If you can tell me anything about Tim Boyle off the top of your head, you're a better fan than I am. He played in Detroit a couple years ago, so I can tell you um, he's really, really bad. He has a very negative TD to INT ratio. He uh, Even in college, like the fact that this guy made it into the NFL is kind of an outlier. Mm-hmm. He's got, I think he's got half the amount of touchdowns as he does interceptions in both the college and NFL level. Yeah, it's a third. He has three career touchdown passes, all of which when he was with Detroit. And nine career interceptions, um, six of which were with his stint with Detroit. Yeah, yeah, Jets fans, you're in for a bad week. If that is a better option than Zach Wilson, you've got to imagine Zach Wilson's time in New York is done. It's it. That's the end. Their head coach, Robert Sala, did come out and he said that they wanted to give him a sort of redshirt year behind Aaron. And he got thrust into the starting lineup too soon. I don't care. You drafted him number two overall. He shouldn't need a redshirt year. Or if he does need it, that's fine. Like Patrick Mahomes needed it. But you already started him for one full year. Mm-hmm. Dude, we get that he got hurt and Mike White came in and he was fine. And Zach Wilson was bad to end last season and whatnot too. But come on. He's got a bunch of starts under his belt now. He's got to show some sign of promise. And I'm curious... Because we see the film, he is not good. There are still moments, though, where he'll hit a pass or he'll make a good read or he'll roll out, and there's there are glimpses where you go, okay, that dude has some special talent. And so I wonder how much of him being demoted is simply how the locker room responds. Do the other players just simply not like him? Yeah, I don't know. That that definitely could be it. Because you don't have to be a great quarterback. We have seen NFL teams rally around not good quarterbacks and do incredible things. It's not, you don't have to be a phenomenal quarterback. You have to be competent, which maybe Zach Wilson is or isn't. And you have to have the team support you. And that part absolutely seems like it's gone. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Super not great for him. I hope the best for him. I hope he gets it figured out at some point. But it really just does not look like that's going to happen. 
No. So we'll see what the Jets do and their chances of a highly improbable, borderline miraculous return of Aaron Rodgers this season. I think those are gone because they are not a playoff team. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Rodgers is not going to come back from a torn Achilles to play in a meaningless Week 18, even if he was healthy. There is no reason to risk that. The only reason I can see him doing it is to bolster his Hall of Fame resume. If he plays even a single snap, he probably is going to win Comeback Player of the Year. Right now, it looks like DeMar Hamlin... But if he comes back from a torn Achilles in the same season, he probably wins that. That's just another trophy for him. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. That's an extra piece to his application. Yeah, I'm going to say it's an unnecessary piece. And Yeah, he's some, getting in first ballot either way. Someone in his life needs to tell him to just call it a season. Go rehab yeah. in a dark cave somewhere. Yeah, you're probably right. We'll see what happens. Another quarterback, though, that has been up and down. Bryce Young and the Panthers are just, they're just not good. They're not good. Nope. Like we said when they beat the Texans, winning one game doesn't mean that you're officially a good team. 99.99999% of teams win at least one game in the NFL. Yeah, there's been a a team or two that went winless, but uh, we don't need to. Two. We don't need to talk about them. Two. Well, other teams have gone winless, just not at least 0-16. Sure. Yeah. No, in, in recent memory, there have been been a couple. We can, we can gloss over that and focus on the Cowboys beating up on the Panthers, which Cowboys do that. That's what they do. When they play bad teams, they look great. They, again, ended up with backups playing. Cooper Rush came in and sealed the game. Cowboys are 7-3. and three. And remarkably, at 7-3, and three, probably have no shot of winning their division. Yeah, with the Eagles taking the dub on Monday night, they maintained the one seed just narrowly over the Lions. The Cowboys, they're a pretty good team. They beat up on the bad teams. They score in all three phases mm-hmm. pretty often, or at least two of them. They had another pick six this weekend, I think. They did, yeah. Yeah, Deron Bland is tearing it up with those. Uh, and they kind of have no shot. Like you said, the Eagles are just dominating. The Eagles are dominating. And the Eagles, absolutely, all season, we have waited for some reason to say, they're not as good. They just, they don't look as good. And yet, here they are, sitting at now 9-1. and one. That is tied for the best record in their franchise history. They've done it, I believe, six times. So, Philly fans are probably feeling pretty good right now. We've talked about backup quarterbacks and what they're supposed to do. That's how Philly won theirs. But yeah, it looks like they're going to cruise to another Super Bowl appearance, maybe against the Chiefs again. The Chiefs just barely lose this past Monday night. Marquez Valdez-Scantling drops the game-winning touchdown. It's raining. Uh, Travis Kelsey doesn't have his best game. He has a fumble. He's got a couple drops. On one hand, I'm like, it's pouring down rain. I get it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm like, you guys are the reigning Super Bowl champs, a current dynasty in the making. Get it together. Yeah, and the Chiefs were shut out in the second half of this game. And 
that is just completely unacceptable from a Super Bowl threat. You can't go scoreless for half an hour of play and expect that you are going to be able to make a run in the playoffs. That rain hurt them so bad, and they just could not run the ball the same way the Eagles could. DeAndre Swift was showing out, and Jalen Hurts, we know that he's a threat on the ground, so he had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, which I think moves him into first place for most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in their first four seasons, which is just remarkable because we don't even particularly think of Jalen Hurts as a rushing quarterback. He's a traditional quarterback who does really, really well with the goal line quarterback sneaks. Yeah, but then even one of his was a full-on just, I want to say it was from seven yards out. He just ran it straight in, borderline untouched. He he can get it done. He's mobile as heck. Yeah, it's crazy that he has that kind of athleticism, but has really done such a good job as a just overall quarterback that I don't think we talk about Hurts in the same conversation as like the Lamar Jackson type rushing quarterback or in you know the Cam Newton or the Michael Vick of football past where it was like, nah, he's a rushing quarterback. Hertz is just a quarterback who's also really good at running. Yep, yep, that's the way to say it for sure. He can do both. So Philly, probably the best team in the NFL right now. They absolutely could end up in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and have a rematch of the Monday night game this week. That is if the 49ers don't knock things out in Philly this year. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, Let's not forget what the 49ers were doing prior to having their, like, fifth-string quarterback in. It was still Brock Purdy, but he literally didn't throw a pass. So we may have a repeat NFC Championship game. We'll find out. We definitely could. And on the other side with the AFC, I think we need to be very aware of what the Ravens are doing Obviously, the win-loss is what's ultimately going to matter. They're 8-3. and three. However, they are averaging over 25 points a game. They are leading the league in rushing offense, and they're leading the league in scoring defense. That combination of factors has happened twice in NFL history. The 1972 undefeated Miami Dolphins and the 1985 Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah, that's dangerous for sure. So the Ravens also a serious threat. And it feels like Ravens and Chiefs in the AFC, Eagles and Niners in the NFC, that feels like kind of where things are settling. The Lions are making some noise, but you and I have both said all season, they don't quite feel ready this season. But hey, they could surprise some people. Yeah, anything can happen. Um, their defensive line just Aiden Hutchinson gets a ton of pressures but they don't get home a lot that's something that the Eagles and the Niners can both do relatively easily mm-hmm. you know I I wouldn't be shocked if they end up as the second seed just because they do have a game on the 49ers already but don't make it to that NFC championship game Um, I like you said totally expect it to be Niners Eagles yeah I do too and I think as far as where things are settling, 
our power rankings probably will start to feel a little more consistent. I have those five, Eagles, Ravens, Niners, Chiefs, Lions, as my top five. It's slowly becoming more consistent that it's the Eagles, the Ravens, the Niners, the Chiefs, the Lions. They're starting to stick in the top. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the Niners' brief stint down further into close to the 10, 10 mark, um, we've we've had those teams there pretty much all season. They've they've kind of distanced themselves at this point, which is kind of what we've been saying all year too. Is the top separated themselves pretty early, and the bottom separated themselves pretty early, but our middle twenty three teams they've they've been moving quite a bit so the uh the wild card spots those are going to be some exciting spots to fill in oh yeah and it probably will come down to week 18 which is exactly what the nfl wants they want genuine drama to play out all the way through the season yeah yeah they totally do that's why they added the extra game more drama more drama more money but hey more drama yeah, more drama, more money. That's the saying, right? I think so. Not more money, more problems. No, I don't. No, it's so. just more money, more money. Yeah, more money, more money. That's that's how that works. On the other side, still worth a lot of money, but not worth a lot of attention. The Panthers. We've talked about it. They're the worst team in the league. They've been the worst team in the league most of the season. The Patriots are still down there for me, and I went ahead and put the Commanders all the way down as the third worst team in the league. And I will just say it right now. I think Ron Rivera's time in Washington is up. I think this is the end of Riverboat Ron's tenure. Yeah, I won't argue with you too much. I've got the commanders at 29th, so up one spot from you. I've got the Cardinals, then the Patriots, then the Panthers for my bottom three. But I won't argue with you too much. Kyler has looked pretty decent. They still lost this past week. Sam Howell has looked decent at times. They lost this week, so uh, three A, twenty nine A, and twenty nine B. However, you want to do it. Irrelevant. It's really. Yep. yep. That's the way. That's that's pretty much. Where, uh-huh. That's pretty much where we are after week eleven of the NFL season. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. Office hours are closed. Don't forget to like this wherever uh, you get your podcast. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.